Welcome to Equip This Church, Denise. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our city campus. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. Read the Bible for a little while to find that some of the most amazing people had to wait a very long time. David had to wait 20 years from the time he was anointed as king to the time that he actually functioned as a king. 20 years. It's a long time, isn't it? Moses had to wait 40 years from the time that he left his privileged position in Egypt and was able to return to rescue the people from slavery. 40 years. I mean, I think like four, four, four minutes is long sometimes. 40 years is a long time. Joseph had to wait 13 years in prison before he was released. And by the way, the Bible never intimates in any place that Joseph waited with anything other than a very good attitude. You don't find anywhere where God criticizes Joseph for a bad attitude. 13 years he waited. This morning we talked about Abraham, and Abraham had to wait 25 years from when the promise was given to him to when he actually saw the son that God said he was going to have actually come on the face of the planet. And so if you're in a waiting period right now, the truth is you're in good company. You're in good company. Many great men and women of God had to wait a long time. And here's the thing. There is always a gestation period between receiving the promise but seeing the promise. There's just always a gap. There's a period where something has to happen, a preparation time in your life, in my life. When a woman falls pregnant, for nine months, that baby forms. The promise happens straight away. But the reality of it takes nine months for it to come out. There's just, it's just the way it is, like a seed going in the ground. It dies, it's watered, sunshine comes, and if you wait long enough, something will actually happen. I've actually been uh, a pastor for um, coming up 19 years at the end of this year, and uh, nearly 20 years ago, I felt like God gave me a vision and a dream for what He wanted to do in, in my country, in my part of the world. 20 years ago, I saw a map with lights lighting up in every major city across our nation, and I believe that God spoke to me that through equippers, we were going to go right across that nation, our nation, and see God do that, but the truth is 20 years later, 20 years later, there are parts of that that I'm still waiting for. We've made progress in some areas. This year, we're really excited. We launched a Cripples College in the UK. That is a part of the puzzle, no doubt. In uh, 10 days' time, we have Shout Conference Europe. That's another part of the puzzle. But I've been waiting a while. I've been waiting a while, and I think sometimes the bigger the vision Uh, the longer the wait. But I do want to say tonight that waiting doesn't have to be miserable. If you're miserable in your waiting, there is a better way. I want to talk to you about it tonight. All right, let's just read Isaiah chapter 40, uh, verse 31. Very well-known scripture, but incredibly powerful. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, but those who wait on the Lord, everyone say, wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall man up with wings like eagles. They shall run. They shall not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. I want to read that verse again, or at least the start of it. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. 
that waiting. What is, what is that waiting? I wonder if I could have, uh, if Jason could come and help me for a moment. Jason's going to come and be my prop man tonight. Give Jason a big hand. Here he comes. Amazing. Thanks, Jason. I, I, I think when it comes to waiting, there are two ways to wait. There are two ways to wait. That, that, this is the first way to wait. My voice is croaky tonight. Sorry, guys. Here's the first way to wait. The first way to wait is a very passive waiting. The first way to wait is God just spoken to me. I have a dream. I have a vision. I have a promise. And I'm just waiting for time to pass until it happens. Just waiting. Like, like waiting for a bus to come. Waiting for a train to come. Just waiting. It's like if I wait long enough, I think to myself, the dream, the reality, the vision, the promise is just going to eventuate before me one day. Anyone ever waited like that? Not really doing much, just waiting. Thinking waiting is about chronological time. Waiting is about seconds, it's about minutes, about hours, days, weeks, years. But how many of you know somebody who's been waiting years and years and years, even decades, and yet never seen the reality of their promise? Like what a scary thought to think that God could promise you something and 30 years later, you could still be waiting with no sense of any advancement towards it because your waiting was completely passive. Your waiting was just to chill out. God will do it in his own time. And actually, nothing really happens. I reckon many people wait like that. But here's what the Hebrew word uh, for wait means in this particular passage. Uh, it literally means this. It means to twist and to bind like a rope, to twist and bind like a rope. It means strands weaved together, like plaiting something together. So imagine like this is, this is your life, this is my life tonight. Um, you know, that by itself is not particularly strong. Like if I was to hold that up or someone was to hold it up and I was to jump off the end, how many of you know that is not going to hold me? That is going to snap. Not very strong at all, but over here, Jason is, is really, uh, I want you to just, for sake of illustration, Jason is really representing God. He's representing the things of God. It's be better than being the guy on the chair, hey. Um, Jason's representing like the things of God, the people of God, the presence of God, the Word of God, the house of God, all those things. And here's what waiting on the Lord I believe, according to the Scripture, really should look like. It really looks like us binding and twisting ourselves into God. It means every day I wake up and, and I twist myself into His Word. Every day I get up and I twist myself and I bind myself into his presence. Every day I get up and I, and I engage in prayer. And I engage in the word. And I engage in devotion. And I engage in his people. I'm in an e-group every week. I'm in the house of God every week. I'm learning to give. And I'm learning to serve. And I'm learning to be all that God has called me to be. And, and if I keep doing that, if I keep waiting on the Lord, not that waiting on the Lord, but if I do this waiting on the Lord, it's only a matter of time before now there is a supernatural strength in my life. 
that waiting does nothing. But this waiting prepares me for all that God is wanting to do. Just stay there for a moment, Jason, if you would. We've got, we got to learn to bind ourselves into the things of God. Like bind ourselves, weave ourselves, thread ourselves, interact every part of ourselves into God. And if we do that, a time is coming when there is going to be a strength in our lives that is going to be supernatural. Amen. Let me give you a couple of thoughts tonight about waiting on the Lord. Number one, number one, waiting on the Lord. Here's the first thing it does is waiting produces maturity and completeness. Waiting, not that waiting, but that waiting produces maturity and completeness. Here's what it says in James 1, verse 3. It says this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What, 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 is, what tests our faith? Delays. Waiting. Frustration. It's not happened yet, God. You said it was going to happen. I'm still waiting. So waiting, uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. NIV says it produces perseverance. But let that patience or perseverance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So let me, let, let me explain that to you. The way you become complete and perfect in God is by waiting on Him. Not that waiting, but that waiting produces completeness and it produces maturity. Now you know this because we all know how kids operate. Kids want things now. At least my kids do. They want to arrive now. They want dinner now. They want their presence now. They, they, they want everything they've asked for now. Kids don't like waiting. Can I let you into a secret? I've learned something about us as human beings, that though we may live in bigger bodies, <laughs> though we may look grown up on the outside, Sometimes when it comes to God, we are just as immature as children. We want our miracle now. We want our breakthrough now. We want our vision now. And God says, no, no, you're not ready for it now. There are things that you are ready for. But there are other things that you've got to wait a while. I've been waiting 20 years for God to do some stuff that we're moving into in this season if God gave it to me 20 years ago, how many of you know it would be a mess? It would be a mess by now because I wasn't ready. I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't complete enough. And so God took me into a process where he said, hey, Mark, you're going to have to wait a while. You're going to have to bind yourself to me for a while. You're going to have to spend time in the Word a while. You're going to have to spend time in prayer a while. You're going to have to spend time in this house around the world a while until I can start to release to you the things that you've always dreamed of and the things you're going after. Those that wait upon the Lord actually become mature and become complete. Uh, Psalm 62 is David and uh, David writing it and David is in dire straits. David found himself in dire straits quite often, didn't he? And David finds himself in dire straits and there is a contrast that happens in Psalm 62. It starts off like this. In verse 1 to 2, it says, Truly my soul 
silently waits for God. Waits for God, not waits for God. My soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He is my rock, my salvation. He is my defense. Now watch this. I shall not be greatly moved. So David says, man, as I wait on God, I shall not be greatly moved. You drop down to verse 5. He says, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my defense. But watch this now. He's been waiting a while. And verse 6 says this, I shall not be moved. Verse 2 says, I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6 says, I shall not be moved. A couple of people looking at me pretty blank. I'll say it again. I thought this was a smart, intelligent university town. I'm just joking. Verse 2, verse 2, verse 2 says, I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6 says, I've been waiting a while. I shall not be moved. In other words, there's something about the waiting process that puts a steel in you, an authority in you, an ability to stand when things are thrown at you, and now you are no longer moved. Let me put it like this. Waiting puts backbone in you. Waiting puts spiritual backbone in you. Come on, when you were young and you never waited for anything, the wind changed and you nearly got knocked over. But when you've waited a while, when you've waited a while, man, the enemy can unleash a whole bunch of stuff on you. But now there's something in you that says, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. I don't care what the enemy brings across the face of the planet. Nothing's going to move me because I've been waiting, binding, twisting, engaging into everything that God has for me. Amen? Waiting's making you mature. Waiting's making you complete. Amen? Here's the second thing waiting does. Number two is waiting produces calmness. Waiting produces calmness. Uh, calmness. Peacefulness. Stillness. Tranquility. Serenity. <laughs> actually, waiting for a period of time for your promise is all, sometimes a good thing. Because it actually stills something on the inside of you. Um, I reckon it's a little bit like this. When you first get a promise from God, um, it can be a little bit stressful. Or you get a vision from God, it can be a little bit stressful. I'll tell you why. Because when you first get something from God, you start to ask questions like this. When's it coming, Lord? When's it happening, God? We ask questions like this. How long have I got to wait, God? Come on, who's ever asked that question? And, and we get anxious, and we get tense, and we get nervous. Or, or who's ever asked themselves this question, Lord, did I miss it? Did I miss it, God? Like, like did I do something in my life that disqualified me from actually graduating to receive what you said you were going to do over my life? Come on, any warriors in the room? Like, did I stuff up? Did I mess up? Was there something I said? Was there something I did? And actually, if we're not careful, we can get incredibly anxious and incredibly tense about the thing that God has promised us. I'm, of course, speaking from personal experience, where there's been many times when I've not been a fun leader to be around because there's been a tenseness, an anxiousness, a worriedness on the inside of, like, God, when are you going to do it? 
God, you know, we got a shout conference coming up in a couple of weeks in Europe. And I, I, I you know, the, the truth is there's been times I've woken up in the middle of the night and I've thought, oh my gosh, is anyone going to come? Oh my gosh, it's like, is the budget going to be okay? Um, we're expecting around about a thousand people. I had a dream one night. I woke up and it was me in the theater with like 50 other people. My subconscious trying to, trying to worry me a little bit. So sometimes it can, it can cause us to be anxious and be tense, but waiting, waiting is not a bad thing. Waiting sometimes causes you to chill out. Waiting causes you to come to a place where you say, Lord, you're going to do it when you're going to do it. You're going to do it when you're going to do it. Psalm 37, verse 7 to 9 says this, rest in the Lord and wait, that waiting, not that waiting, patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. I'll say it again. Do not fret. I'll say it one more time. Do not fret. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait upon the Lord, somebody say amen. They shall inherit the earth. Other translations say they shall possess the land. God gave me a vision 20 years ago. I'm still waiting for parts of it to eventuate. But 20 years ago, I was anxious and I was nervous. But now I've been waiting a long time. Now, now, I'm, now I'm like, God, you've promised me if I wait on you, I will inherit what you said you're going to do. I will. It's only a matter of time, Lord, not the passing of chronological time, but the passing of time to get me ready and get me fit and ready to receive it. And so now, where I once was anxious and stressful, now the truth is I'm relaxed. I'm like, God, you said you're going to do it. You're going to do it. You'll do it in your timing, not in my timing. You'll do it when you're ready. You'll do it when I'm ready. And I don't need to worry about it. Come on, right now, if God's given you a promise, he said something, he wants to do something over your life, if you would wait like that, I promise you, I promise you, according to the Word of God, you're going to start to lose anger. You're going to start to lose anxiousness. You're going to start to lose fretting. All those things are going to start to pass away, and there's going to come a point where you are so at peace on the inside that you say, the Word says, if I wait on Him, if I wait on him, I will inherit my promise. Can you say amen tonight? Here's the third thing, number three, final thing. Number three, when it comes to waiting on the Lord, this is my favorite one. Waiting produces supernatural transformation. Supernatural transformation. Some of you look very bored at that statement. I, I, I don't know about you, I, I want supernatural transformation. Come on, give me a smile if you think that at least sounds good. Supernatural. Supernatural. Transformation. If I wait upon the Lord. Let me read to you Isaiah 40. Uh, again, 28, it says this. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So God sets us up by saying, you've just got to understand um, that when it comes to strength, I've got it all. Like, like God has all the strength in the world. 
He has all the strength you'll ever need. He's got it all. He, he, he neither faints and he never gets weary. How cool is that? Come on, every one of us, get, we, get, we, get, we get weary, don't we? Sometimes we, we faint, but God never does. God, God never gets weary, never faints. He then goes on to say this. He gives power to the weak. That's you and me. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. If you're here tonight and you say, that's me, I feel like I've got no strength in my life. I feel worn out. I feel burnt out. I feel tired out. I've got good news for you tonight. According to our word, God's got all the strength in the world and he wants to give it to you and me. Woo, that is a, that's good news. He's got all the strength in the world and he wants you and I to have it. Read on. It says, even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fail. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't care how fit you are. I don't care how healthy you are. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how much vitality you are. If you pursue this in your own strength, there is coming a time where you are going to run out of steam. Our natural strength will, will, will absolutely run out. But God has infinite resources as opposed to our finite resources. He says, so, so you just got to keep walking with me. And then we come to verse uh, 31. But those that wait on the Lord, those that wait on the Lord, what's going to happen? They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run. They shall not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. How cool is that? God says, if you'll just wait on me, bind yourself to me, engage with me, interact with me. Not just read the word, but let the word read you. Uh, let, it, let it become, the word become flesh. Let, let, it, let, it, let it permeate your life in such a way that you read it and say, yeah, I can see that's God doing something in me. If you'll do that, the Bible says that those who do that shall run, they shall not be weary. So here's what it means. It literally means, the Hebrew literally means a supernatural exchange. A supernatural exchange. Your lack of strength for God's strength gets supernaturally exchanged. How cool is that? So, so, so we, let's go back to the story of Abraham really quickly. We, we mentioned at the start of the, of the message, Abraham was 75 years of age when he received the promise. 75, pretty old to receive a promise about having kids. But he was 75 and he received the promise. By the time he got to 85, he was fed up waiting and he thought he'd work it out himself. And if you don't know the story, he ends up having a son called Ishmael, who was not by his wife, but was by his wife's maid. And Ishmael became a major problem in the world. In fact, the Bible describes Ishmael as a man who was like a wild donkey who would have hostility to his brothers for all the days of his life. There's a word of warning right there, uh, not to try and work things out by yourself. When you try to work out a plan by yourself, it never ends good. So he's 85 years of age, and then life goes quiet for Abraham from 85 to 99. We don't hear much about what happened in Abraham's life, but here's what I think happened. I think Abraham recognized, man, this was a mistake. 
that, that I need to go back and I, I, and I need to do this again. I, I need to start going back to the Lord. I need to stop trying to work things out by myself. I need to bind myself to him. I need to engage in his word, engage in his presence, engage in prayer, engage with his people, engage, engage, engage. And Abraham, Abraham did this. And 14 years later, the Bible says that finally the promise happened. But I want to read to you what it says in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 explains what happened to Abraham. It says this. I can't remember if it's coming on the screen or not. It said that it was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren, she was too old. Listen to this. She believed that God would keep his promise, and a whole nation came, listen to this, from this one man, this is not Mark Carlisle speaking, this is the Bible, who was as good as dead. How many of you, how would you like to be described as that? One of the keyboard players could come, that would be great. So a whole nation came from this one man, the Bible says, who was as good as dead. Abraham is 99 years of age, and the Bible says he's as good as dead. And yet somehow God turns up, and what does he do? There is a supernatural exchange of strength. And God gives Abraham this 99-year-old man who is as good as dead, who has given, like most of his life is gone from him. There is probably no reproductive power in his body whatsoever. But God says, you know what, Abraham? You've been waiting on me all these years. You've been strengthening yourself. You've been engaging with me. You've been binding yourself to me. And now at the right moment, God steps in and says, because you've been waiting on me all these years, I'm about to do a supernatural transformation in your life. I'm about to give you my strength for your weakness. I'm about to give you my life for your lack of life. I'm about to give you my reproductive power for your lack of reproductive power. And somehow, I don't know how it happened, the Bible doesn't describe it, but at 99 years of age, this man that was as good as dead is somehow able to conceive with his wife a child. That is what I call a supernatural transformation. Come on, let's give God a hand tonight if we could. Thank you, Jason. You can grab a seat. Supernatural transformation. Thank you. I love that. So many of us are waiting in a stationary, passive manner when God says, that's not how I called you to wait. Waiting is binding yourself to the Lord. Waiting is engaging in Him. Listen, if this is your church and you're engaged, amazing. If you're visiting tonight, this is a great place to get, to get stuck in, to get engaged. It's not enough to come and be an observer if you actually want to grow and strengthen the Lord. You actually have to be someone who prepares to engage. Engage in your giving, engage with your time, engage with your energy, engage with your support, engage with your prayer, engage with your life. And if you'll do that, I promise you, over a period of time, there will be a supernatural exchange of God's strength in your life. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Let me pray to you as we close. How many of you like waiting? You don't know what to say now, do you? <laughs> I kind of do, but I kind of don't. 
Waiting's hard, waiting's hard. But listen, waiting doesn't have to be miserable. Waiting doesn't have to be miserable because I've discovered that while we may not see everything we believe for in a moment, if we'll wait in this manner, man, along the way, God does wonderful things. God shows us wonderful things. He teaches us wonderful things. He brings us into relationship with wonderful people. He puts fresh vision in our heart. He brings fresh strength into our life. And, and listen, achieving your breakthrough, your vision, your miracle, whatever you're believing for, is not a binary process of zeros and ones. It's not off or on. It's the process of relationship with God. And I sometimes think to myself, maybe God has made it that way simply because He wants to spend time with you. Like the truth is, if you got your breakthrough, your miracle, your vision right now in a moment, and you didn't have to spend time with Him, you might be happy, but God might be sad. Because God wants to hang out with you. God just doesn't want you binding yourself to Him. He wants to bind Himself to you. He wants to bind Himself to your life. It's not a one-way street. It's not just us. Lord, I worship you. I praise you. I give you glory. Lord, I, it's not like I serve you. I, I, I bow down before you. And it's like God just stands there, unemotional, receiving your worship. No, no, no. God, God has emotions. I don't know if you know that. God has emotions. God, God is a God of love. He's actually looking to engage with your heart. He's actually looking to connect with you beyond a transactional way of doing faith. Sometimes we come to God with a transactional mentality. God, if I do this and I do that, you promise to do that. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes that works. But I think God is more interested in a relationship with you than He is about you doing anything for Him. I think in the last 20 years of my life, God has actually enjoyed my company, my presence, my engagement, my time with Him, perhaps more than He ever has me achieving what I think He wants me to achieve. We're so focused on God, but with this, we want to see this. And I just think God says, no, 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 I want to engage with you. I want to engage with you. I want to, I want to, I want to appeal to you tonight in a way. Next seven days, don't, don't just go home and do nothing for the next six days and come to church next week and get a little fix, a little engagement with God. Don't do that because tomorrow morning, do you know the Bible says God is waiting for you to awake. He's waiting. He's got fresh mercies. He's got fresh revelation. The Bible says in Jeremiah 3.33, He's got supernatural, wonderful things that He's waiting to talk to you about. How cool is that? He's got mysteries that He says, if you'd only come and spend time with me, there's things I want to talk to you about. Those that wait upon the Lord. When God speaks to me, I feel incredibly strengthened. When I read His Word and something jumps out at me and I think God speaking to me via His Holy Spirit, I feel energized. I feel life come into my, my mortal body. I feel like, whoa, wow, I'm not in this alone. God's with me. It's like He's doing something in my life, and I believe tonight with all my heart, God wants to engage with you as much as He wants you to engage with Him. Would you just lift your hands together for a moment? Lifting hands just simply says, God, surrender. Come have your way. And right now, rather than just waiting for God 
to come and bless you. I want you to bless God tonight. I want you to thank Him tonight. I want you to thank Him for every good thing in your life. I want you to thank Him for, your, for His presence tonight. I want you to worship Him tonight. Engage your heart around His. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.